We all go through this stuff. We all go through stuff. We all have, we all have things we deal with. And the only thing that's going to change the things we deal with is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. All right, now the book of Colossians um, is written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. Does your Bible have book uh, descriptions in the front to tell you when it was written and who wrote it and all that? Okay. You're not in Colossians yet? I'm in Colossians, but you didn't say which. We're chapter 1. Um, it was written by Paul the Apostle in, to the Colossians. This was a not a general letter. It was a distinct letter. Uh, letters that are general are usually the letters that are written under the hand of the person's name. Like James was written as a general letter. 1 Peter, 2 Peter were all written as general letters because they don't have a church's name to them. Like the book of Romans is written to the church of Rome. Colossians was written to the church of Colossae. The Thessalonian books were written to the church in Thessalonica. So those are, those are how we can differentiate that. So this was a church written book. It was written around A.D. 62. And it was delivered by Tychicus. Tychicus was probably there speculated that he was also the transcriber for that as well. So, uh, and it says the reason for doing this, the, the outcome we're, we're supposed to get from this, it says the reader, it, it, said, it introduces the reader to Christ as God in His glory. It says this epistle addresses freedom from the law, outward manifestations of religion, human philosophies, and false mysticism, as well as the realization of uni union with Christ in life and conduct. So this is a Christian living book. Paul is going to give us instruction on how we are to live as believers and Christians. So I never, I never, when I start a study, I never sidetrack the salutation because it's important. Paul says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't sidetrack these because this is something that we can understand that it, Paul is saying here that it, this is his credentials of why I can write this letter. I am an apostle of Christ. Um, I am. I am. I'm doing this by the will of God. And then he tells who it's to: to the saints and brothers in Christ in Colossae. And then he gives a blessing, grace to you. And then he goes on and he says in the verses three through eight, through seven, three through eight, it's the blessing to the Colossians. We won't dissect that too much, but he says we give thanks to God and to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, 
For we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which we have already heard in the word of truth, uh, word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has in all the world. It brings forth fruit as it also has in you. Since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth. And you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ for you, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So he's, the Colossian church was a model church for Christian life. This was how churches should be. This is what churches should be. He says he gives thanks to the Lord and prays for them always. And they've heard, he's heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. That should be every church's mission. Every church's mission. Doesn't matter age, gender, uh, status in life. If you're, in a, if you're in a church and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what should be said about you as an individual is that you love the Lord and you love the saints. People that come together that love the Lord and love those around them, when they form churches, they make strong churches. Churches that change the communities in which they're in. Changes the lives of those that they touch. This is the model church. And he goes on and he says that he is, they are, they, uh, be, be, because of the hope that is laid for you in heaven, of which you have already heard in the word of truth of the gospel. We are to be loving. We're to be to one another and to those around us. We shouldn't be a church of us four and no more. You know what that means. The us four no more. We're comfortable with where we are attendance-wise. We don't need to touch any, talk to anybody else. We're just comfortable where we're sitting. That's the church of us four and no more. And we need to be the opposite of that. We need to be going and talking about Jesus. We need to be, we need to be out when, when the opportunity arises. Don't shy away from it. It doesn't mean we have to go and, and street preach. But we have to, when the opportunity arises... For us to talk about God and what God has done in our life, we need to share that. We need to tell people about that. And the impact that it has on your life as an individual. If you think back right now, just take a moment and think back to the last 10 days. 10 days. Whether you've gone through something or haven't gone through anything, think about what you were 10 days ago and what you are today. Think about the change that it, that occurred. Everybody occurs a change in a, in, a, in a 10 day period. Good or bad, you have change. Think about where you were 10 days ago and where you are now. Has God been there? Yes. Has God shown himself mighty in your situations? He has in mine. He has in mind. I've not had anything catastrophic happen, but I know that when I am dealing with something or when I'm going through something, which we all do, I know that God is with me. And those are the things we should be sharing out to other people. You know, we need to be sharing out what God is doing. 
Don't share about how great your church is or how great your pastor is or how great... Share about how great God is. And God will do the rest. God will do the rest. The church isn't the building. The church is you. The church isn't the, the, the pews and the brick and mortar. It's us. It's us. So God is... He is saying here that He is thankful that they are like that. They are like that. Are we like that? Am I like that? Are you like that? We need to be. Well, do we need to grow in it? Uh, absolutely. I need to grow in it. I need to grow in sharing my love for Jesus to people. I think that we all do. If we really thought about it, we all need to grow. Then in verse 9, he goes on and he's talking about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us the greatest gift in the death and resurrection. He gave us everything. He gave us life. He gave us assurance. He gave us peace. He gave us all of those things, but we must accept it. We must come to the place where we realize and understand the person and work of Jesus Christ in our own life. That's why I said that the, if the Colossian church understood that. They understood that when things are bad, when things are horrible, when you think it's the end of the world in your own sense and in your own life, God can be mighty in your situation. God can be mighty in your situation. Verse 9, he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We need to be praying that for each other. We need to be praying that for each other. Do we, do we as people pray for one another that we don't cease praying, that we understand and get, you have knowledge of God and know, and know the will of God and know all the wisdom of God? Do we pray that for one another? We should. We should. This is a call to us as believers for 2019. This, this book was written probably a little under 2,000 years ago, but it was relevant today. It is relevant today. Do we pray for one another? He goes on and he says, Strengthened with all might according to the glory to his glorious power, enduring everything with perseverance, perseverance and patient joy, patience joyfully. That prayer should be prayed. That prayer should be prayed that we would be working in God's power, enduring everything with perseverance. Everything with perseverance. All of those things. The bad days, the good days, the days when things are... You know, my, my mom had one of those days the other day. Nothing was going right for her. Nothing. 
her car wouldn't start. She had she had people to drive. Her car wouldn't start. And then she got in the house. And something something wasn't working. And then she went to sit down or do something, and something broke. And it was just one of those days for her. Did she call upon God? I don't know. But we are called to call upon God. We are called to say, God, I'm having one of those days. Having one of those days. Please help. You know, when I, when I uh, go to the nursing home, I deal with, with patients that are in there for normal reasons, and I deal with patients that have Alzheimer's, and I deal with uh, staff. And one of the things I tell them is, when you're going through something, you don't have to pray a prayer of eloquence. All you need to say is, God help. And God knows before you do what you need. And He'll be there. He'll be there. All you have to say is, God, help. And He'll be there. Bringing joy and comfort and peace and whatever you need. He goes on. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus, we have been delivered from all of that nasty stuff. You know, when we go through things, when we go through things, and we all go through things. I go through things. I'm sure, Ralph, you go through things. Lois, you have things you go through. And we all go through things. And the only answer for those things that we go through is Jesus Christ and a good relationship with Him. That is it. You know, I've, I've been on the side of trying to do it on my own. I've been on the side of, my, I don't have money to pay my bills, so I try to find a better job. And you can't find a better job. And you, and you try, to, try to work, and you try to do things, but nothing's coming through. And you try those things. You do it yourself, it never works. You do it in the sight of God, with God, and you trust God, and you do what God wants. And God will make it come to pass. God will cause it to come to pass. We all go through this stuff. We all go through stuff. We all have, we all have things we deal with. And the only thing that's going to change the things we deal with is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. It's not going to be our fortitude. It's not going to be our resolve. Going to be a relationship with Jesus Christ. And through that relationship with Jesus Christ, then the fortitude and the resolve in Him helps us to become victorious. Not anything else. Not anything else. He goes on, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation. For by God all things were created that are invisible and that are in earth visible and invisible, whether they were thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Now, I'm going to take you on a scripture journey. Alright? So follow me if you can. Go to the book of Genesis. Go to the book of Genesis. 
I will read it, and if you want to, if you want to go back later on the YouTube video, you can pause this and find it. Book of Genesis, chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was, was formless and void. Darkness was all over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving and, and over the surface of the waters. Now, verse two. He talks about, about verse 2, chapter 1. God said, Let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our own image. That is a plural wording there. Right? So God was three in one. Let us make man. So then we go on. To the book of John. Go on to the book of John, chapter 1. The book of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He, and he was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, and without Him nothing was created that was created. Verse 14 of the same chapter. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw and we saw His glory, and the glory of the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who was that? Go ahead. Who was that? Shar, who was that? Who was the one born of the Father, full of grace and truth? Jesus. Jesus. Creation, we see that God, He is with God in creation. Now we go on and we go back to our text and it says, in the beginning, it says in verse 15, He was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn among of all creation. Go back to the book of Revelation. I won't read it to you. I won't let you turn. Well, you don't have to turn there. But in chapter 13 and, and verse 8 of Revelation, it says that Jesus was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So there it's saying that Jesus made the opportunity for it to be our sacrifice prior to creation. So you see how all of this is woven as a beautiful tapestry of love. Jesus was from the beginning and is still today. Jesus is saying to us here that He is the one that gives answers. He is the one who gives peace and joy and all of those things. He is the firstborn over all creation. Now, Verse 16, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they are thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him for Him. He was before all things, there you go, before all things, Revelation 13, 8. He was before all things, and in Him all things hold together. 
very powerful scripture. In Him all things hold together. If you want your life to be held together, you're only going to hold it together in Jesus Christ and that's it. Just in Jesus Christ. In Him all things hold together. Think about how... I think about how my life was prior to salvation. I was going in all kinds of different, different, different directions in my life. And I didn't know which way it was going. I was, I was in depression. I was anxiety pro I had anxiety problems. At one point, I had, was really, really bad when I was 18. I wasn't saved yet. And I look back at those times and I think, well, Jesus held it all together. Brought it all together again. And you see, when we deal with those things, the realization of Jesus holding it all together comes with that very first time we say, Jesus, come and be my Lord and Savior. Live in my heart. That's when we realize that all things can be held together in Him. And that's what people need. You know, I think about things going on in the situation that you have going on. And I think about situations and other situations. And the thing that changes a situation is Jesus Christ. And that's it. Jesus Christ. That's right. Now, verse 18, He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So I might be the pastor of this church, but I'm not the head. I'm not the head. I might just be the mouthpiece of Jesus Christ, but I'm not the head. Paul said in his, in his scripture, follow me because I follow Christ. That's the thing that pastors should be saying. Follow me because I follow Christ. That's an, that's an indication that they're saying. He's saying, Jesus is over me. I submit to Jesus. So follow me. Submit to Jesus like I do. He is the firstborn from among the dead. You know what that means? He was called the second Adam. The second Adam. The one that got it right. The first Adam sinned. Jesus, the second Adam, got it right. Therefore, he is the firstborn from among the dead because he was resurrected. Among the dead being us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins until Jesus came in. Now, he goes on and he says, For it pleased the Father that in Him all fullness should dwell, and to reconcile all things to Himself by Him. In my Bible, Him is capitalized. In Jesus, all things are reconciled back to God. You think about your life. I think about my life. I think about all of our lives. We think about the things that are going wrong in our life. In Him, all of that stuff is reconciled to the Father. You know, people, when I first got saved, I wanted to put God first. God should be first in our relationship. Amen? God should be first. 
And I had people saying, no, your family should be first. Your, your job should be second. And church or Jesus should be third. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Jesus should be first. And all the family things and all the work things and all of that stuff comes together in that relationship with Jesus Christ. He brings all of that together. So all the family issues, all the work issues, all the, all the, the, the rubbing, rubbing, rubbing you the wrong way situations, all of that comes together under the relationship with Jesus Christ. All of that comes together in that. Not, not anything else but that. He says, having made peace through the blood at his cross. By him I say whether they are things in earth or things in heaven. He says, and you who were formerly alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has, he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Understand something today, and that is that when we are not believers in Jesus, when we are not following God, it's said right here, we were alienated from God and we were separate, and it goes on in other scriptures and says we were enemies of God. God sees us as enemies. He doesn't see us as, oh, God loves everyone and we're all going to heaven. That's not what God is saying here. God does love everyone. God does love everyone. It says in Scripture that He's not willing that any should perish. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He still loves everyone, but there are ground rules. You must trust Jesus in order to be right with God. We cannot work on a works-based system. You know what a works-based system is? A works-based system is one of, I am going to see what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do to be right with God. That is a works-based system. This is a faith-based system where we realize and understand that God is with us and that God loves us and we must trust Him. We must trust God. Prior to salvation, we are enemies of God. We, are, we, are, we have amnesty with God. We are enemies of God. And we are not right with God. That's why it behooves us as people to make it right with God. To keep it right with God. Now, verse 23, If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and are not removed from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which, you, which, which was, which was preached, preached to every creature which is under heaven and to which I, Paul, have become a servant. If we continue in the preaching of the Word, if we continue in reading the Bible, if we continue in 
praying to God and coming together as people, if we continue those things, we will be right with God. We will be right with God. Paul became a servant. Who remembers what Paul was doing prior to being Paul? Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul stoned believers of Jesus. There's a story in the Bible about how Paul held the clothes of a man that was stoned. His man, this man named Stephen. He held the clothes of Stephen as they stoned him and killed him. Not short after that, Jesus showed up and knocked Paul off of his horse and said, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? And then soon after that, he was blind, struck blind. He began to follow God. Paul became, Saul became Paul and he followed Jesus. He was an enemy of God. Did God have, have the right or did God have any excuse why he wouldn't... Did it, did it, does it seem logical, I guess is what I'm saying, that God would give Paul this, this ability to be a believer? Shouldn't God, wouldn't it be right for God to just kill him? Because he's killed other people. Wouldn't that seem logical? That God would just kill Saul because he killed Stephen? That's logical, but it's not God. God still loves Saul. And God gave Saul an opportunity. And I'm here to tell you today, God loves you. No matter what you've done. No matter where you've been. God loves you. And He's giving you an opportunity. The things I've done, God could kill me. The things we've all done, God could kill us for. But he gives us an opportunity. He gives us an opportunity. So trust that today. God gives us opportunity. Become a servant. Become a servant of God. Not just a person sitting in a pew. Become a servant of God. God desires for us to be doing His work. Doing His work. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You today for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for these precious people that are here today. The boys downstairs and Amy and Lord, everyone gathered up here today, thank you for all of them. I pray that your spirit be with us. I pray that you would beckon our hearts to you. I pray, Father, that we would look to you for greater relationship, Lord, a new relationship. And Lord, I ask that you would touch every, every, every one of us today. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God will take care of us. He will. But we must trust Him. We must trust Him. In order for Him to take care of us, we must trust His will. We must trust Him. The only way we're going to find out who He is is by this, the Word of God. 
We have to get in it. We have to be in it. We have to read it. We have to pray through it. We have to look at it. We have to allow God to speak through it. I said it again. How many weeks has it been? Two years worth. But we've, I've said it every week. We have got to get it more into God's Word. We've got to understand it and study it in order to grow in God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Philip and Brittany and the kids for being here today. Thank you, Nathan, for being here. Oh, he was fine. Oh, no, he was no, fine. no. That's what a God's children blessing all of us. He was good. Amen. He was yeah. he was it was all smiles, so there's no no problem with that. There was no there was all smiles and giggles, so either he was looking at me too much and smiling at my face or God is good. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessing. Thank you for being uh, the Lord of our lives. Thank you for your word. Help us to understand it. Help us to have a hunger for it. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Brittany, you're two weeks here. You're, not, you're no longer a visitor. You're a family now. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. Philip, Nathan, you were here one week. I expect to see you next week. That's not a hint. <laughs> you can take an hour out of that. God is good. God is good. And then, uh, but really, it was great to see you both here, you guys here today. It really was. And I appreciate you coming and, and taking part. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him.